welcome to episode three of the Partying Planner podcast. My name is Lynn Bettes, and today I am super excited to welcome my guest, Anna Adams, who is the founder of International Doula Life Movement, and she's also an end-of-life doula specialist. Um, if you have ever considered taking care of a loved one at the end of their life, um, if you have a small family and don't have a lot of support to help you do that, um, or if you've ever considered being in the death and dying space, but you um, didn't go to school to be an embalmer or uh, work at a funeral home, I think that this is a really great episode for you to listen to. Um, I learned so much about what doulas do and why they're so important. And hopefully you get some really good takeaways from it. So here we go. How are you doing? Great. Good. Thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Good. I have lots of good questions. So before we get started, I'm just going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Awesome. Well, my name is Anna Adams. I am an end-of-life doula specialist, and I'm also a founder of International Doula Life Movement. Can you tell us, uh, for people who maybe are not familiar, what an end-of-life doula specialist is? Well, an end-of-life doula, there's different names that people will call themselves. Um, and you might you might hear the terms such as end-of-life doula, um, death mid-coach. Um, it's just so many different terms that I get used. So I've used the term end-of-life doula specialist because I focus in three different areas, which is companion care, life planning, and end-of-life doula. Um, but typically what an end-of-life doula is, is a non-medical professional trained to care for terminally ill persons, physical, emotional, spiritual, holistic needs during the death process. Okay. That's a very interesting. I, I feel like end-of-life doulas have become more popular recently. Is that... Do you find that to be true? I know you said you've been in the industry for quite some time. It has. In, in the space. Yeah, it has. Actually, I've noticed since there was a recent article with, uh, I believe it was Elvis Presley's granddaughter, one of his, his grandchildren's um, posting about her becoming a, a death doula um, after a loss of a family member. And um, there's been a lot I have noticed because I've had people tell me, you know, when I've talked to them before signing up for our school program, uh, you know, they'll tell me that they never had heard of it until they saw that article. And so now it's piqued their interest. This is something maybe that they've been called to. Um, and, and so they seek out the information to uh, become an end-of-life doula. Wow. And so can you tell me how being an end-of-life doula differs from being a hospice nurse? Well, um, you know, it's the difference is we as doulas, we're not taking the place of hospice. We are simply there to complement the hospice care. Um, we do not, because we are a non 
medical professional trained. Uh, we do not do medications, uh, wound care, any of that kind of nature of, of stuff that a, a nurse would come in and do. We're there to help with being there to help with the family to get them. If the hospice is doing a training and, and wants certain things done, we're there to kind of reinforce. So the education, uh, the grieving process, the death process, we're there to reinforce that. Okay. And then tell me a little bit about how you do that. So there's different ways. We can come in as a companion. Sometimes it just helps the families, you know, because more uh, due to the growing number of the elder population, many families um, are bringing their loved ones home. And not only that, uh, patients want to be at home. So we can come in, whether it's starting off as a companion or an end-of-life doula, maybe they've gotten a diagnosis and they need um, support. And so then we can come in and start providing the emotional and spiritual support. We can initiate those conversations about the dying process. Uh, you know, there, we're there to support the family and even the self-care um, to help reduce that bur burnout and emotional fatigue. Um, we can also provide, which I call them my angel vigil watches, where we're there to, you know, we're there to be there when the time comes and they're very close, you know, maybe it's hours or days before they pass. Maybe they don't qualify if their hospice offers a crisis care. Um, maybe they don't qualify to be on a, a crisis care, meaning crisis care is when they have a nurse uh, or staff comes in 24 hours, um, but they can only be there if there's an acute symptom that is warranting that round o'clock care. Or sometimes even if it starts off at the beginning of the terminal illness or before the change happens to their actively dying stages, then they may step away after those things are calmed down. So for instance, if someone's having respiratory distress or pain management issues, crisis care can come and be involved. Well, once those problems are taken care of, then they step out. So this is key because I find that through my time working on a crisis care team, a lot of times the family members are just scared to go through this alone. Um, they may have other support from family members, but not knowing that apnea may be something common that the, that the patient will, you will see with that patient as they're getting, you know, very close to the end before they take their last breath or um, knowing that the fevers that might spike is something normal. Um, so having a doula that can come in and provide that angel vigil watch is definitely something that is so important and so um, supportive to the families going through their loss at this time. Right. I, I definitely think that, um, so my mom passed a few years ago and so she went through hospice. Um, she wanted to be home as well. So we did bring her home. Um, and initially I did think that hospice was going to be here a lot more um, until they explained it to me. You know, we they kind of pop in as you need them. Um, they were very good about helping me get supplies. And if I needed to make a call to them, they answered all my questions. But for the most part, family is there taking care of the person. And so we were fortunate enough to have... Um, 
my sister and I, and then my aunts all come in and kind of take watch when we needed a rest. But if you don't have that, if your family doesn't have that, I think that's definitely a good time to consider having a doula there. Definitely, especially to, you know, there are some families that don't have any other relatives or support around them. So, and then there's some, you know, patients that are going through this and they don't have anybody. So having a doula come in and take that role um, definitely helps the patient to go peacefully. And I like to think of our doula role as an advocate. We advocate for our families and we advocate for our patients. Right. Yeah, I can definitely... Um, see where that would be helpful, where it kind of fills that gap between the medical support and the family support. You you need that in between, I think. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and, you know, you only get one shot to, to do this right and to have this be something very sacred and very, um, I don't want to say positive, but leading in a positive way. Um, that you only have that one time to do it. So, you know, if you think about it, some, I've heard some patients, you know, they remember their family member's death as something horrible. Why? Because maybe their pain wasn't managed or they were uncomfortable. Um, so there's only the, you only get one time to do it. And so we need to do it right. And being able to do that right is that you have that doula that's also the eyes and ears for hospice and can say, oh, no, this we need to call the hospice on right away. Um, you know, because we do have those type of patients out there sometimes who don't want to be a bother to even calling and asking for that help. So having a doula to say, no, this can be taken care of and you have the right to go without a, you know, to have, be, have a pain free death. Um, and so we can facilitate and help get that on moving, you know, along. Another big thing that I've seen that we do a lot of is that sometimes we have a caregiver that's caring for the patient. And then there's other family members who are not supportive. Mm -hmm. So a doula can come in and facilitate a meeting, a family meeting. And that way the, the, the patient, if they're able to speak, then we're able to, have that patient has someone there to support them to speak about what they want. Um, if the patient's not able to speak, then we have uh, the, the caregiver and just someone being there with them to voice their opinion and voice what they said. Hey, no, mom wants this. She has specifically told me and I need y'all to respect this. Um, having that doula by their side is, is it helps. Um, we've also noticed that if a family uh, has that time to be the daughter, to be the son, to be the husband at the time the patient's getting ready to pass, their bereavement is uh, so much more easier on them. You know, it's not going to ever take it away, but the the bereavement side uh, is so much better and their healing is so much better than if things were very chaotic when the time happens. Right. Yeah. Because being a caregiver is hard. So when you're a caregiver, you're kind of in, you know, work mode and it's hard to process all those emotions. Yeah. I mean, and, and sometimes they don't know how to process them. You know, I've worked cases where um, the children of their loved one, you know, they're in their early, early 20s um, or even 18 and making these decisions. And that is a lot of pressure for someone to take on. 
Um, right. You know, and to have someone that can stand next to them and say, you know what your mother or father wants, I'm going to support you and advocate that with you to, for whoever it may be, whether it's the medical staff or family. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a very important role. I So I notice, and I don't know if you notice this, um, well, let me just preface this for people listening. Um, I am part of a death and dying group on Facebook, and Anna is as well. So... I had posted something about, you know, wanting some people to come on to the podcast and Anna reached out and then we just happened to notice that we we're both in Texas, yes. which, <laughs> which is surprising, right? Because this group is fairly large and I noticed that most people in their group are like Northeast Canada, like the, the death positivity movement is so much bigger. Mm-hmm. So now I'm seeing here in Texas, um, you know, we have one cemetery that's close to us that has a natural burial, a natural burial cemetery. Mm-hmm. But like you said, people want to come home. So do you feel like doulas, uh, it's a growing industry here in Texas? I mean, I, I personally, and I told you this before, when I looked for a doula here in town, I couldn't find one. Yes. So it depends. There's one of the reasons you may not see them is because if they're not registered with the national end of life doula Alliance, um, you may not, they may not pop up because they have a directory um, and they have a whole Texas area. Um, But actually, yes, Texas is quite a bit of area. There's a lot of doulas in the Houston area. I know that personally I've had students from Houston, Austin, uh, Del Rio, Texas, Eagle Pass, Texas, San Antonio here, um, Dallas area. I mean, we we are really, really growing out. Uh, matter of fact, in this current class that I have going on right now, my Saturday class, I've actually got about three or four students that are actually here in San Antonio. Uh, last year, I graduated uh, five students from San Antonio area. So it, it is definitely, definitely growing um, and and. It, it's something I'm glad it is. Um, you know, I'm hoping and praying that, you know, eventually all of these hospices as well um, will take a look at that. Um, I'm very, very lucky that I work with Holistic Hospice um, as their death doula. I am a part of their team. So they've incorporated the doula role into their team um, to help provide care to their, their patients. And so I'm so happy and grateful to be a part of that. Um, but you know, there's always the, the private side and there's the, uh, maybe even contracting with hospices. Um, you know, but it definitely is something that is really growing here in Texas. Yeah, it's interesting. And also, um, can you share how you told me that you've had, um, students from all over the world? Yes. So I've been very, very lucky to have students from Singapore um, to Asia area, uh, Canada, all over the United States. Um, we've been growing and growing and um, meeting new new doulas and, and, you know, assisting in their education all over the United States. And so it's really it's amazing um, to get to network with ladies and men. We even have men doulas. 
Um, I've graduated personally about eight students, male students. Um, some are actually here in Texas. Um, I have one in Florida's area uh, and another one in the upper area of the states. So it is really coming along. Um, and, and we need men doulas. We need male yes, doulas. Definitely. You know, there's patients out there that, you know, whether it's religion traditions or just their tradition anyways, that if they are male and they are ill and they need that support, um, it's amazing and great to be able to say, well, we have a male doula um, right. so that can come in and provide that care. Um, because that's one of the things that we work with as a doula. You know, we're not just and our the doulas I work with. Everybody can pick and choose what they want to choose into their practice. But for instance, I work three areas of my practice where it's the companion, the life planning, where we're helping them. You know, many people think, oh, well, I've gotten my advanced directive. Okay, but let me ask you this. In your advanced directive, does it state who do you want to change you? Who do you want to, um, you know, what, what are your favorite scents? What are the things that you like done? Do you like your hand to be massaged with lotion? Do you not like lotion on your feet? Because there's some people that don't like lotion on their feet, right. you know, or there's certain um, smells that you don't care for. What is your favorite go-to meal when you're not feeling well? Mm. Those things are so important. Um, when you're, you're going through your process um, because maybe at some point you may not be able to voice that. And so we as doulas, we can come in. I teach our, our students as well to go in and we have a packet that I've prepared together where they can use to work with clients and get all those questions answered. And many people think, oh, well, you have to go to an attorney to draw up your advanced directive. No, you don't. You, I do recommend you have one to re-review, but I'm going to tell you a lot of times, and, I, and I've gotten this verified, uh, I have a good friend that works in a hospital, and she says, Anna, you would not believe is the, the many people that have their advanced directives done when they come into the hospital, and they've gotten it done through a, an attorney, it is the same paperwork that we use. Right. And they have probably spent hundreds of dollars to get it done. Right. And they don't have the questions about who do I want to be changing me? Do I want, you know, feeding tubes? Do I want, um, you know, what types of smell? What type of lighting? Do I want to have a scheduled visit if, if they notice that I start to become agitated or have anxiety and I need, they can tell that I need a break? Do I, do we want to schedule times for when we can have visitors come in? You know, those are all important things that an attorney is not going to do for you. Right, so all the details, right. It's getting down into those deep details. Um, you know, and then the situations of when do I want to have these things done, writing out some scenarios so that the person who is your medical power of attorney can make those decisions because they'll have some kind of guide. You're not going to get that with an attorney. Right. So I always tell clients, you know, we can write it up. We can put everything together and have a, an attorney look it over. It's a lot cheaper to have them look it over than it is to have them draw it up. And they're not going to provide you all this extra stuff that we're doing. Right. So, um, you know, we can definitely, as doulas, provide a lot of different roles. And, you know, our goal is to really try to get in with a client before they become on that terminal state where maybe they only have a few days. Because then 
we have some time to work with them, we can help them create their legacy projects. Right. Right. I definitely, you know, that's a big goal of mine is to have this conversation, right? Start the conversation so that it's more comfortable for people to talk about it so that when they get closer to their passing, they're able to say, you know what, I want to call somebody in and I want to write out these details and they're comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it is a sad event either way, you know, people are going to go through pain and grief and there's, you can't take away from that, but just the yeah. comfort of being able to have a discussion about it with your family is so important. You know, and it's, and you think about it, we don't have a, we don't have a problem talking about birth and babies and Mm -hmm. having babies. And we um, prepare when we know that we're going to have a baby and we prepare for them after we have them, we prepare for them. We're trying to figure out a plan for college, but nobody takes that time to take prepare for their death. Right. Um, Last week on my podcast last week, I was talking to my friend, Kathy, and she says, you know, death is walking with us from day one. Right we have no clue how long we're going to be here. So why wouldn't you want to have that conversation with your family? Um, And to me, like go out the way that you want to. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I don't want somebody playing music that I don't like, or I don't want, you know, some fragrance that I can't stand and somebody is using it because they don't know me well enough or I didn't exactly say anything about it. So. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We have to talk about it because if we don't talk about it, no one's going to know. Right. You know, no one is going to know uh, what we really want. And so this is where the death positive movement comes in. And hence why, <laughs> why I um, named our school that I'm the founder of the International Doula Life Movement is because we're taking doulas from all different areas, birthing doulas, menopausal doulas, um, fertility doulas, sexual doulas, uh, end of life doulas. And we're taking all of that and we're moving forward with it. There's such a great benefit that can come from having a doula on your side, you know, whether it's birthing or dying, um, you have that advocate there for you. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about your program because we didn't really get into that too much. I mean, I think based on the conversation, people will already know that you <laughs> that you have yeah. a program. But um, if you can talk a little bit more about your program and specifically what types of people um, tr- become death doulas, like do you have to come from a certain industry? No, you- no, we actually we. Um, I have students from all walks of life, whether they're an RN, LVN, a CNA provider, a caregiver, um, from, you know, someone who is uh, waitressing right now, you know, or in retail. Um, If you have a, I always tell students, if you're looking at this, if this is, if you have a calling to serve others and you can provide and be a non-judgmental, loving, compassionate person, then this is for you. Um, our program actually, again, offers the companion doula, the life planning doula and the end of life doula program all together. Um, we meet for 12 weeks and this can be done online or through a self-paced option where you follow along. We'll be launching our complete self-paced here in the next month, but this is a 12 week program. 
in that program, the how the class works is we meet one time a week for about two to two and a half hours. We answer questions as we come on, then we lecture about one of the modules, and then we'll have a Q&A time. And then the second hour, we do that again. We follow the second module and um, do all the Q&As afterwards. Sometimes we have special guests that join us. Um, so we try to you know, incorporate some other options there for students. Um, all the students are able, we, we cover topics from doula 101 to the code and ethics and scope of practice of a doula, um, the stages of end of life care, VSED, uh, which is voluntary stop eating and drinking, which is uh, something that is legal in all um, of, of the United States here. And I believe Canada as well, uh, all of Canada, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we'd cover over grief and anxiety, common diseases, uh, infection control. We even dedicate a whole module to pediatric hospice and parent loss. Uh, we have our communication and teledoula and documentation. Uh, we even cover home rakes, cremations, and funerals, <laughs> wow. uh, life planning, you know, and we even talk about religions. And um, then after you complete our program, we offer you a free business 101 course. Um, it's a self-paced course module. It's got six modules to it, and um, it's helping you set up your business. Uh, if you decide to go to practice on your own, or if you want to have a couple of friends join you and, and help you uh, to service the community, then you can. Uh, we'll we'll be setting you up on that, and then after that, you're off. We give our students a discount um, for any other courses that may be out there that they want to take that we're offering, such as the menopausal doula, um, the uh, birthing doula. We have grief classes and bereavement. I know we have recently in the next couple of weeks, we'll be having uh, legacy work classes, advanced planning, where we're gonna be giving out certificates for certified specialists for life planning um, and diving really, really, really deep into that. Uh, and so we have other little classes that they can take. And I always tell students it's so important to take those classes so that you can continue to learn and grow. Um, I'm very, very upfront and honest with students. I, I tell them right off the bat, the truth is doulas are not governed right now. And so um, one of the other reasons why I, I offer affordable and we offer payment plans is because as I was starting to launch the program, I reached out to about 30 different doulas around the world and interviewed them and found out that, you know, what they liked, what they didn't like in the programs that they've taken. And so the biggest things were pricing um, because it's not like when you go to take a CNA course and then you can go and start a job right away. You have to want to do this. You have to have the calling to do this. Mm -hmm. And so we're gonna be there and we're gonna support you um, and give you all that education that we possibly can to help you get going, but you have to make meet us the other half. Um, but so we, that's why we offer affordable classes. Um, we offer the payment plans, you know, scholarships. And um, so another thing was that uh, students felt that they weren't supported well enough. So that's why we give free CEs every month to help continuing the education of the doula. We also have the support that they can call us anytime, email us and reach out to us. And we will even set up personal person, whether it's Zoom or on the phone, meeting with them to help them become successful at this. Um, 
we also just added a, a new instructor. Um, her name is Michelle Montgomery. She's actually the owner of the Death Coach Club. And so <clears throat> she'll be working with our students as well if they're very serious and wanting to do this, our Business 102 class. And so she'll take them that level and um, be there to really support because the marketing is a little bit different than whether you are out doing marketing for a home health aid company or something. Um, doulas have to market differently. So um, we've got all the, the great support that we can offer students to be successful. I love that you do um, not only from the doula side, but you incorporate that business side. I think that's so important. Um, and I love that you just, you set your students up for success. I know when you talk to me a little bit about the course, it seems like anybody can do this. I mean, even me with my busy schedule was like, hmm, I think I could fit this, <laughs> this class in, you know, just based on the, the information that you had given me. So I really love that, that it's something that's attainable. Um, and there's a lot of extra information to help you be successful as a doula. You know, thank you. And, and, you know, and anybody that if you have the loving heart and the compassion to um, be there and to be supportive and you don't have a problem with being that advocate, then this is something definitely that you would want to consider. And we love meeting with all of our potential new students. Um, I personally try to meet with every single student that enrolls. Um, I want to know, you know, I, I'd like to hear their whys that they want to do this. Why do they feel that this is a fit for them? Um, even answer the question, hey, do you think this is a good fit for me, you know? Um, and so, and then it makes it better for them and they get a better experience with the program. Um, we even do special programs that we offer as well. We have a couple months ago, we did a vision board night and everybody logged in with their favorite drinks and we just chatted, you know, just to have that network and that community of support of other doulas. And so we try to do different things. We're working on coming up with a, a new a game night where we're going to play the death deck game. And, um, you know, it's important for us as doulas to, to, understand and know how to do that. So we're going to learn together and um, make the mistakes together and, <laughs> you know, and do it together as doulas. So, um, you know, we try to, to really incorporate a lot of things where it's just not, it's like I always tell students, you're not just coming in as a student, you are family now. Right. Because you need that community. You need that community and that support when I think when you go into a, a profession like this. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Definitely. And there's not, you know, there's not like there's a big, you know, 50 or 100 doulas here, especially even in Texas, mm -hmm. um, that, that are close where you can network closely with. Um, so it's so important that we reach each other, even if it's on, on Zoom, that we get to see and reach each other and talk. Wow. It's amazing. I am so impressed. By everything that you offer that every, you know, everything that doulas do, I think it's, it's just amazing. And I think it, like I said earlier, just this, this missing piece that families don't even realize that they need. Yes. And, and, you know, they sometimes, you know, it's just the mix, you know, families when they're going through this, you know, and that's why it's so great to have a doula by their side because a doula can 
be just that person that sits with them and goes with them as they're trying to do their funeral arrangements, you know, mm-hmm. um, and let them know there are things that you can do uh, to avoid. If a patient wants to be buried, you don't have to buy anything from the funeral home. You can go and buy a casket off of Costco, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's just things that you don't have to do. And if you plan now, you end up saving yourself thousands of dollars. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause I, um, before I did the podcast, I, I probably talked to you about this before, but, um, I, I didn't even realize that maybe what I wanted to do kind of falls under this doula umbrella, but that's kind of the direction I wanted to go in. Like I wanted to help families plan. I wanted to help families. I wanted to advocate for them as well. I said, because people planning funerals in the midst of grief is not the time to plan a funeral. No, you know, you don't walk into a funeral home after somebody passes and say like, Oh, let me just look around. I might go to another one. Like, no, you just want to get it over with. You just want, like, I'll take whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not the time for making these big major decisions. So I, I always felt like there had to be a step back, you know, somebody to, to help you there. So there definitely is, you know, and even when I was working in the inpatient unit, I would have, you know, maybe something suddenly happened and the patient now is, you know, comes into the unit and they're 12 hours away or five hours away from passing away. And they have to, they're trying to think, oh my God, what am I going to do? Whereas that time could have been spent holding their loved one's hand and really being in that moment with them. Right. Yeah. And instead you're, you know, scrambling, trying to make funeral arrangements and Exactly. Or even after a patient's passed away, I've seen where family members, even eight hours are trying to put things together, you know, and they're trying to process this. They just lost their loved one and they're trying to, you know, because the the place probably wants the patient out, you know, within a few hours or four hours or whatever, get the funeral home called. And, you know, they're trying to put together the money. They're trying to put together to find the place that they want to use. You know, there's just so many different steps in there. And so, having a doula be able, you know, the life planning doula role there to help facilitate that and help get things moving um, and guiding them to check on this or make sure you do this or, you know, look, don't forget to look at these things, you know, having a doula there to do that is, is so helpful. Amazing. I definitely hope that people hear this conversation and realize, you know, why it's so important and, you know, keep this, in their mind for when their loved ones pass, especially their older loved ones, because as much as people want to take care of, you know, everybody, I think for the most part is, you know, yes, I'll take care of my mom. I'll take care of my dad, but it it is exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. And you, I can see where you completely need somebody to come in and just support you and kind of guide you through that whole, the whole process. It's so hard. Yes. And and that's another reason why we cover the pediatric area too. Um, You know, parents are, you know, maybe they have uh, the other children and so they're trying to manage the other children plus the sick child and, you know, trying to put the two together and, you know, process to what they're going through. So even having a doula there to help with, with, pediatrics or even helping someone who's just maybe was pregnant and and had a miscarriage or maybe they had their baby born and and lost their baby at birth 
um, a doula role can just really be there in so many different aspects and help in so many different ways. Right. That is so interesting. Yeah, I definitely, there's so many people, you know, who suffer through miscarriage and loss alone. Right. And so yes. Definitely having, you know, having that advocate there and having somebody there to support you. That is so important. Awesome. It what sure is. is. It's so important work that has to be done. And and not only that, the doulas are there too that can help the community and teach the community to not fear death. Right. Right. Which is, you know, that's where my heart is, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I exactly. Mean, not to say it's not, I, I think, scary just because maybe we don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but just the reassurance that you can die peacefully you know you can die at home you know all of these these different things that we need to talk about a little bit more exactly I think that we are coming to an end I think that we covered some great information I'm so excited to get this out there because I think it's just something that people need to hear even the little bit that I knew about doulas like Mm -hmm. I did not I did not know all of this and so it's it's exciting to me that there's this option out there. Exciting to me that there's this option in San Antonio that you have um, all of these doulas coming up from San Antonio. Exciting that you offer this program um, online virtually. So anyone can, can take it. I think that's amazing. Um, so I'm so excited to get that out. Um, I Aww. do want to finish up with a few questions. I'm um, just questions that I like to ask everybody. Mm-hmm. And so um, the first one is, are there any lessons that you've learned from people at the end of their life that you'd like to share? You know, um, with every client I've worked with, it's something different in so many different ways. You just never know. You know, sometimes I always say the patients, you know, we're there to help them. But at the, at the end of the day, we end up receiving so much from them whether it's different life lessons or ways to think of life or the ways to process the way we help others. You know, there's just so many different, every patient gives us something different. Right. Yeah, I definitely, I can definitely see that. And the other question is, do you have any plans, anything specific for your party? I have worked on my advanced directives and, you know, our home, we talk about death like on a daily basis here. I would think. Yeah. You know, um, we do. We, we talk about it freely. Um, my kids have even said, you know what, if I leave, I, you know, like my daughter's into pink colors. I want a pink glass gas casket, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so we, we talk about it. We really do. We just talk about it freely. And, you know, sometimes people think, oh, we shouldn't talk about this with kids, but you know what, this is one of the biggest things that I've seen death. I think, well, I think I've, kind of nutshell where this is all this fear has started. If you think about it, when you're a kid, what happens? They don't really talk about death in front of you, do they? Right. Mm -mm. So if we don't talk about it and make it a discussion that is, is, I mean, there's no need to fear death. Um, It's all going to happen to us one day or another. Uh, But let's go out and make every day count. And let's go out there and we can talk about it freely and plan about it freely. And so that's something I've just kind of done with my kids is that we just, they, they talk about it. You know, we talk about it. 
Um, they will tell their teachers fully what I do. They'll just tell them at end of life doula and they'll say, oh, really? I've never heard of that. And they're like, just call my mom. She can explain it so much better. So <laughs> I'm not going to explain it to you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and that's okay. But it brings out that education out there of um, death and dying. And I find that when, because we don't talk about it when they're little, you know, when my grandmother passed away, I took my kids up to the front and I, you know, she was a Catholic and, you know, had to be um, buried and, and they have her casket right there in the church. And so we went to pay our respects and, you know, and I told him, I said, if you want to, you can, you know, touch grandma's hand. If you don't feel comfortable, don't do it. Right. So if you're not, if you don't push it upon them, then that's okay. But if you're there and answer the questions and to always be honest, um, I think that's what kind of helped as I'm an older now and, and being able to process it. So I, I feel that when that time comes, we've talked about it so much and so open and so freely that my children will now be able to process when there is a death. Right. I definitely... Um... I was, I came to this realization the other day because I started to think about, like, I've always had this comfort talking about death. And I think that that comes from uh, my dad passed away when I was six years old. So I specifically remember um, everything kind of leading up to the funeral. I remember the funeral itself, but I do remember everybody kind of talking around me. I don't remember anybody talking to me directly Um besides telling me when it happened. And then I had so many questions. And so once real quick snippet, um, my dad's casket was closed. And so for years I thought that he faked his death. And so I literally would see men and I'm like, Oh, that's my dad. He's here watching. But I couldn't talk about that. Like I couldn't ask the question to my mom about like, you know, Hey, who is really in that coffee? You know, there's like so many things right? right. Didn't get because we never had the conversations. Right. And if the conversations don't be had, then that's where the puts that curiosity. Um, I meant, you know, it, it, it can cause stress and anxiety mm -hmm. for children. And it's something that ends up too, that can affect them as they grow up into adulthood. Oh yeah. For you sure. know? So if we don't talk about it and get comfortable about it, um, you know, that, that makes that scaredness happen and that the anxiety that picks up. And then when it comes time for us to, to go and depart, that increases that anxiety as well. Right. So if we all can just talk about it freely now, um, you know, I'm not saying that you're not going to have fears or you're not going to have anxiety about when that time comes for you because we all will. I mean, that's just, that's just human nature. Yeah, we're human. Yeah. You know, that's just human nature. But, um, if we just be open and, and honest about it and, and allow kids to ask and, and ask those questions, then, um, and be honest with them. I think that that will help them to not fear it as much when that time comes, when they do need to bury their own parents or their, their own loved ones. It's always going to hurt to lose somebody, but if we can talk about it, then we can, we can plan and we can make things a lot more smoother for, for yeah, what we're going through. Be able to process it in a healthy way, I think. So, exactly. So okay, Anna. Well, I think that we, I definitely have all the information I need. I have so much, so much stuff. Like I said, I'm so excited and I'm so glad that we got to, to chat about this.
you know, I love talking about this and I know you do too. Um, you know, we both have that comfort level. And so I'm so glad we were able to do this. Um, before we go, can you tell people where to find you like website or social? Um, you can find me at www.internationaldoulalifemovement.com. You can also find us on Instagram and you can find us at IDLM Education, International Doula Life Movement. Um, and it will have a picture of our logo there. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash International Doula Life Movement. And we also are found on uh, YouTube and Pinterest. Just look up International Doula Life Movement and it'll take you right to our links. Oh, you're everywhere. That's awesome. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> All the variety. Yes, well, thank you so much, Anna. I'm so glad again that we got to talk and I'm sure we will talk again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.